Welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and today we are going to talk about counter-striking hopelessness. Now, this is a, a topic that I've been wanting to dive into for a long time and have just put some thought into the sort of philosophy and the, the philosophical question behind how do we actually counter-strike hopelessness? Because the reality is that all of us in our life, all of us at some point in our existence will suffer the, the heavy weight of carrying the heavy weight of hopelessness within our hearts, within our minds, and within our soul. And for some of us, this hopelessness will lead us into such a darkness that we will question our own existence. We will question whether or not we should continue on on the path of living simply because we feel so hopeless in the, the space, the place that we find ourselves in our relationship, in our career, and within our mental state and emotional state. And maybe for some of us, we never find that depth of hopelessness. We never find that depth of, of lostness within our life. But surely all of us, all of us have touched and felt the, the inner pangs of hopelessness in a situation or a circumstance when we lose a parent suddenly or a child, when we struggle within a relationship to maintain balance and order, when intimacy breaks apart, when our integrity fails and we fall flat on our face because of infidelity or lying or gambling or cheating or falling prey to an addiction. All of us have struggled with a sense of hopelessness that is equal to the pains that other people have felt at some point in their life. And, and we all know, we all know that all of us at some point have experienced our own version of hell because of the hopelessness that we felt, because of the inability to not know which direction we should move our life, because of the lack of clarity of what to do next in the moments where we need decisions the most. So today I'm going to talk about how to counter-strike hopelessness. And maybe you're not in a place where you need this so heavily right now, but I encourage you to look at where hopelessness is showing up for you. Because for all of us, hopelessness can be a key player in how we are engaging in the workplace, in our relationships, in our parenting, in our sex life, there is inevitably a story that the victim has within our psyche that tells us, how could this be happening to me? How could she or he be doing this to me? And immediately we can see the hopelessness in our commentary, that we are a victim of circumstances, a victim of someone else's choices, and that we have no choice in the matter. So I want to start with uh, a little reading from a man named David Foster Wallace, and he is an incredibly gifted, um, he's not with us anymore, he's passed away, but uh, he was an incredibly gifted author, and he wrote um, a ton of books and some of the most profound uh, literature of the, of the 20th century and entering into the 21st century. And I just want to read part of his commencement speech that I think is so powerful. So in this commencement speech, he's uh, speaking to a university, 
And um, I'm just going to read you part of the transcript. It was a 2005 commencement speech to the graduating class at Kenyon College. And I mean, there's so many nuggets of wisdom in here. If you have time, I would suggest that you watch it. Uh, but I'm going to read off part of it. So here we go. The point here is that I think this is one part of what teaching me how to think is a really supposed to mean. To just be a little less arrogant. To have just a little critical awareness about myself and my certainties. Because a huge percentage of all the stuff that I tend to be automatically aware as certain of, it turns out totally wrong and diluted. I have learned this the hard way, as I predict you graduates will too. Here is just one example of the total wrongness of something I tend to be automatically so sure of. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realest, most vivid and important person in existence. We rarely think about this sort of natural, basic self-centeredness because it's so socially repulsive. But it's pretty much the same for all of us. It is, in fact, our default setting, hardwired into our boards at birth. Think about it. There is no experience you have had that you are not the absolute center of. The world as you experience it is there in front of you or behind you, to the left or right of you, on your TV, on your monitor, in your earbuds, and so on. Other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but your on your own are so immediate, urgent, and real. Please don't worry that I'm getting ready to lecture you about compassion or other directedness or all the so-called virtues. This is not a matter of virtue. It's a matter of my choosing to do the work of somehow altering or getting free of my natural hardwired default setting, which is to be deeply and literally self-centered and to see and interpret everything through the lens of self. People who can adjust their natural default setting this way are often described as being quote-unquote well-adjusted, which I suggest to you is not an accidental term. So, there's a lot in there. Basically, what David Foster Wallace is saying is that our natural default setting is to have the perspective that we are, in fact, the center of the universe, that we are self-centered in every way, shape, or form. And that can create an immense amount of hopelessness because it can seem... It can seem if we adopt this default mechanism, if we adopt this default perspective, it can seem like everything is happening to us, that the people are breaking up, you know, partners are breaking up with us, 
that the world is somehow out to get us, that God is, you know, if you believe in, in God is out to get us in, in some way, trying to teach us some, you know, horrible lesson, that our parents are out to get us, that our colleagues are out to get us, right? And, and, and that everything is happening to us and we are not contributing to its happening. And so the first thing that we need to do to counter-strike hopelessness is to not only remember that you are it, that you are your own perceived center of the universe, but that you have an active role in the goings-on, that you have an active role in how things are unfolding in your life. Because when you forget that, it's the ultimate act of hopelessness. And yet we do this all the time. We let go of critical thinking. We let go of seeing that we can have an impact in our relationship by setting boundaries, by communicating when our partner's gone over the line, by communicating that we would like to experience a deeper and richer sense of intimacy. We forget that we have a, a choice in the creation of our own path, in the creation of our own purpose, that, that we can move more fully towards things that bring us fullness, that we can choose to align the direction of our actions in the direction of fulfillment, in the direction of fullness, in the direction of wholeness and integrity and authenticity and completion. And that we have a choice in that. Because when we forget that, when we reject that we have that responsibility, because it is a responsibility, and most of the time people are rejecting this knowledge because they want to reject responsibility. And so the next step is you have to claim responsibility over the fact that some of your life is of your doing. That maybe the financial situation that you are in is your fault. Not to shame you, not to allow you to wallow in, in the pigsty and the pig shit of, of guilt and shaming yourself but to realize that you actually are an active participant in that sabotage, in the situation that you have found yourself in professionally or financially or relationally or within your intimacy, that you have been an active participant in allowing yourself to be in a sexless marriage. All of those things are true, that you are an active participant in that. And so the, the first step is to realize that you're a part of it. And the second step is to claim your ability to create the change, to grab hold of the responsibility that it is to make powerful choices and decisions in your life. And rather to say, rather than saying, why is this happening to me? To shift it to why is this happening for me? And how might I make a better informed decision based on the information I'm now being presented with? based on the circumstances that life or God or the universe or source or karma or whatever you believe in has put in front of me. And as Ryan Holiday would say, to see the obstacle as the way, to not see it as the thing that's happening to you, but happening for you so that you can reclaim your power, you can reclaim your responsibility because responsibility is a deep sense of power and you can move forward. And lastly, you turn the hopeless, unconscious behavior fault setting, default setting, off. And you turn on the conscious choice and actions to move forward, 
Because as David Foster Wallace said, this default setting that we are somehow at the center of the universe and that everything is happening to us is a false absolute. It's only one side of the coin. Yes, things are going to happen to you that are completely out of your control. Yes, of course. You're going to lose people. You're going to have health problems. You're going to have financial issues and challenges sometimes. You're going to have relationships break down and have moments of, of worry and weakness. All of those things are going to happen. Things will happen to you, but you also happen to things in your life. And so we need to bring a conscious choice to the unconscious default setting that we normally have about everything happening to us. So bring conscious awareness, bring conscious choice, and bring critical thinking into your everyday life. If you're, if you're tired of being in a relationship where there are porous boundaries, where there are bad, poor boundaries, where the other person is able to walk all over you and mistreat you, you are partially responsible for that. You are 50% of the problem. And so you have a conscious choice to continue to allow that or to take a stand for yourself and to set a boundary and to say to your partner, hey, that's enough. When you treat me like this, it crosses a line for me. When you test, when you judge my character and you call me names and you swear at me, that is unacceptable. And I have been an active participant in allowing it to happen. And for that, I apologize, but it's not allowed to go on anymore. And we take a stand for ourselves, for what, what we know to be morally true for our lives. And we take a stand for the direction that we know we want to move our lives in. And we take a stand for what we know we are capable of being and becoming. And the final step is that we see the potential that we think we should be and we take actions towards it. Because this is an active part of ending our hopelessness. Because if who we are is someone that's hopeless, then our potential is, is always going to be locked up somewhere where we can never get to it. But when we can say, I'm going to act as if I am that person that has already found this, these little bits of potential, these little bits of capacity, Right? One, of the, one of my favorite questions that you can start to ask yourself, I give this to all my clients, what would future you do if it had actualized 50% more potential? What would it do? How would future you make this decision about your relationship, about your business? What would it say? What would it want to take into consideration? What would it want to know? What questions would it ask before proceeding? How would future you, if you had actualized 50% of your potential, how would future you make this decision? How would it face this trying time, this obstacle, with just a little bit more groundedness and presence and peace and love and kindness and compassion and empathy and boundaries? Firm boundaries, healthy boundaries. How, how would that look and then to take action on that. That's a powerful way of being. It's a very simple thing to do, but it moves us dramatically away from the hopelessness 
it counterstrikes hopelessness. It counterstrikes the victim because what we say is right now, I'm hopeless to take action against what's happening. I'm hopeless to face this obstacle. Woe is me. Why is this happening? And when we can shift into the space of what would me do if I had just a little bit more potential that had been actualized, that I had claimed a hold of, what would I do in this situation? How would I act? How would I be? And, and answers will start to flow. And then you need to take action on those answers, whether it's through tough conversations or setting better boundaries or moving away from a relationship that's not you know, working for you or shifting a job career, or starting to really put effort and energy into, into getting your health on track, and to stop pretending that you are hopeless against you know, eating unhealthy foods all the time, against that you're hopeless against the alarm clock that goes off at six o'clock in the morning and tells you to get your ass out of bed and go to the gym. You are not helpless against those things. So many people, if you really tune into it, here's a really perfect example to see where your hopelessness and your victim of your shadow come up. When you tell yourself, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning, and then your alarm goes off and you hear the voice in your head, why is this happening to me? I don't want to do this. Don't make me get out of bed, right? 90% of success, as Joe Rogan said, is simply showing up. It is the act of doing it whether you want to or not. That is 90% of success. So we need to counterstrike hopelessness. So I hope that you share this episode with a few people because it is something that a lot of us could hear, need to hear and use in today's current climate, in today's political climate and societal climate and politically correct climate, whatever you, whatever you uh, are bogged down by. So many people seem to be struggling with hopelessness. It's everywhere I turn. Every, everyone seems to be uh, battling this, this sense of hopelessness. And so everyone could use a little bit more, not hope, but a little bit more counter-strike. We need to counter-strike hopelessness in order to move our lives forward. And if you believe that that's true as well, I hope that you share this episode. I ask you to share this episode because we need we just need more counter-striking helplessness uh, because otherwise people can't move their life in the right direction. They can't help heal their families. They can't help heal their marriages and their and their kids and their children and their work environments. We we just act out this hopelessness onto each other. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, please reach out to me and let me know what you thought about this. And if you have any follow-up questions, otherwise, please tag me uh, when you do share it. I'd love to share you, uh, you on my platform. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Until next week.